Did you ever wake up and realize how did I overcome so much in my life? Well, yes, I have and I am so grateful for it. Every day that goes by, I have learned that life is about growth. The more you grow, the more success you will have. In this podcast, I interview women that have battled against the unthinkable and have found the power within to succeed through it. Join me in my journey as I share these amazing stories of women rising above it all. Hello, and welcome back to a new week with The Power Within. Today, I want I want to welcome Dee Shepherd, aka Miracle D. At age 45, she was given five years to live. She had a choice, the easier decision of just giving up and surrendering to the death sentence or a much more difficult decision to fight without knowing how it was even possible. As she, tra- as she had tried everything previously, she decided she hadn't danced her last dance and she chose to fight. Today, she is perfectly healthy and lives her life to the fullest. Dee resides in Scotland and she is a mom of two gorgeous girls. She is an intuitive energy healer and transformational coach lover of life. Welcome, Dee. How are you doing today? Oh, Melissa, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I am really, really good. I'm feeling your energy. It is so wonderful. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on because truly you have a story that we need to, we need to share to the world. And like I said before, you have, you, you rose you, you, you know, so please share with us um, what happened to you a couple of years back? Oh, 10 years ago, I started to fall ill. I, I was then diagnosed two years later with something called functional neurological disorder. Basically, the signals from the brain don't get sent through the body properly. And the pain that I was in with my back stopped my legs from working. And from then, things got gradually worse. I was eventually on 60 different pain meds a day, including three different opioids. And with the amount of tablets, the amount of not moving, because I was in an almost comatose position quite a lot of the time, um, couldn't speak a lot of the time, couldn't think, I had brain fog. There were so many things. I, I suffered from arthritis. I suffered from non-movement, I had spondylitis, I had uh, diabetes, I had masses and masses of different things wrong with me. And they just kept growing and growing and growing. Wow. And this, this all stemmed from, um, you said the ner- something with your brain? Yeah, it's a, a neurological disorder. It's called functional neurological disorder. So it's, it says functional, but basically it means dysfunctional. Right. I'd say from based on everything you just named, that doesn't have any function. (laughs) No, no. And there was none. There was none. And basically FND shows itself in forms very similar to multiple sclerosis Mm. and Parkinson's disease. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of different issues with it. Wow. And um, how long did you have, were you suffering with this? 10 years. 10 years, a decade. Yep. I I lost my life for 10 years. Wow. What, um, 
this is not genetical, right? No, no, absolutely not. A lot of people can get FND from either they can have an operation and they end up with it for whatever reason, or it can be through trauma and stress and that can do it. I never really found a real reason why I had it, but I would definitely put it down to trauma and stress in my life. And that would be the reason that I received it. Gotcha. Um, what point, what were you doing um, at that point in your life as far as career-wise? Oh, career-wise, I, I had a, a great career. I was a driving instructor. And in the UK, it's usually driving instructors that teach you how to drive. Yes. We don't do it through um, driver's ed or anything like that. It's a, an instructor you go and you pay money to and you go out and have a lesson every week or a couple of lessons a week. And that's, that was my career. And I absolutely loved it. It was so good. I enjoyed seeing the progress in people and just seeing them receive that freedom in life that your driving license can give you and what a difference it makes to people. It was amazing. It truly is. I, I remember my I remember my driving instructor and you the the ease that that person gave you, you know, um that comfortable, you know, well there's so many people out there, but luckily I got a very good instructor and I was happy, you know, um, I did my lessons and, and, and like you said, that moment in time when they, after so many lessons, they, <laughs> they can, yeah. they can drive good, you know? Oh. It's, yeah. Especially when someone comes to you and they've never had a lesson before in their life and they're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. The nerves. So I'm scared. And, Right. Just bring them through that. And, and my, um, my business was called Drive With Confidence because I thought, if you've not got the confidence, the driving is going to be really difficult. So build their confidence and help them drive, you know? So. Right, 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 right. Excellent. Well, that's beautiful. So now in, in that decade that you, that you said you lost your life, tell us a little bit about... Um, you know, your, your, the downfall of it and how you rose from it. Oh goodness. The downfall that was, that was devastating. It really was. I mean, that was, I was in my late thirties and my life was over. You know, I, I had actually went through this, not as severe, but I had it in my early twenties and I came out of it within a couple of years. It was maybe six years in total. And then I changed my life back then. And I, I went back to college, went to university, got my degree. Then I started my own business as a driving instructor. But in between those two periods of time, my back was still extremely or excruciatingly painful. And I suffered migraines continually all the time, you know. So I managed to get my fitness levels up really, really well beforehand. And then it just all started again. And I... Two years of falling ill, I stuck my head in the sand. I, I would say it, it was like ostrich syndrome, where you stick your head in the sand and you don't want to acknowledge it. Mm. And then when my legs were dragging and I had to actually lift each leg to make them move, that was when I was like, right, okay, I really need to seek help with this. This is, went downhill dramatically. The pain had increased dramatically again as well, so much so that, I couldn't move to, to move about like this. That I couldn't move my head, I couldn't move my arms, I couldn't move my neck. 
because there's too much pain. Everything's attached to your back. So everything below my back, everything above my back, my back, everywhere was just excruciatingly painful. And the way I always describe that pain, if you were to hit me with a sledgehammer 50 times over, it wouldn't impact the pain in which I was feeling every single day because the slightest movement would really wear you down. And it so happened that when my body really failed, that I couldn't actually lift my arms up, I couldn't move a finger, I couldn't open my eyes. It was too painful. A lot of the time, too painful. And I couldn't speak properly either because of the amount of drugs I was on. It was just, it was really unbearable. And having my young daughter about at the time as well, that, that was just, it was devastating to try and smile and be happy for her coming in from school. And doing that, it was it was so difficult. And Dee, yeah, yeah. Let me let me interrupt you for a moment, please. Um, how old was your daughter? My my daughter's now fifteen. No, so, at that point. Oh, at that point, at the beginning, um, she she would have been um, she's almost sixteen just now, so she would have been like coming on to seven when I was getting severely mm. ill. So it was. It was really devastating having such a young daughter and not being able to play with her, not being able to... Sometimes I couldn't even hug her because it... Goodness, it's a bit like what a lot of people are feeling just now in the time that we're in where you can't hug people. I couldn't do it because I was in pain and it hurt so much to, for even anyone to come close to me because I had a thing called neuralgia as well which if you come anywhere near the skin, it hurts. You know, it's like having your aura. You know, anyone comes near my aura mm-hmm. and, oh my goodness, it hurt me before you even got near me. So not being able to hug her was, that was really heartbreaking. Um, now, now, Dee, you, meant, you mentioned all these things that physically, the what did you abbreviate it to? N? Norola. So the, what was oh, the, the FND, so Foxtrot November Delta, FND. F, FND. You've mentioned all the, the effects that FND had given you physically, right? Yeah. Now, now tell us how, how the mental capacity, you know, oh. that, that it hit. Because the, the physical is, sounds horrible, right? Yeah. But, but please tell us how your your mind your mind was. Oh, my my mind was scattered. It was all over the place. I I felt as if I had been abandoned by the whole world. I felt as if I had been abandoned by the universe. I really felt as if I had no love given to me. There was no one that could help me. I was in utter devastation. Utterly devastated. So much so that when I got to my worst, uh, which was about two and a half years ago, and I really just wanted to go to sleep and not wake up again, it was devastating. It, it was the end of my life. That, that was it. I was not wanting to live it any longer. Wow. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, what is it that, that changed? Because we're here now today having this conversation. 
Yeah, and how blessed we are, Melissa. It's so, so good. Every day is an absolute blessing and a joy. And wow, I'm like a young child. I walk about with these bright eyes, just looking at things, going, I can do this. This is wonderful. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So that is amazing. But where that came from was a place of within a month being told by the doctors and the medical profession that um, I was having problems with my heart. I was in getting ECGs to get it tested all the time. I was in a lot of pain with my heart. I couldn't, I could barely move that I was getting a pain and there was no, and I would sit sometimes and I would just get pain in my heart. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is a bit like a heart attack. And I was really worried about it. And then there was, um, I had diabetes, which had went extremely out of control. Mm, I was very mm. overweight at the time as well. And my diabetes had went from, the glucose levels were something like, if you're 41 in the UK, it's measured, then you're at risk of having diabetes. And they put you on medication. And mine went up to over 113 which I was getting put on insulin for having diabetes type 2. That scared me. I was also told if I was going to have one more painkiller or they had to change them about, my organs were going to fail. And the last one being that I was going to have a stroke. And this was all within a month period that I was told these things. And the last one was I was going to have a stroke and that was imminent. And that would give me a maximum of five years left of my life. So I went home. I cried. I was devastated. I cried out. I spoke to my family. They were, I mean, they were there. They were giving me love, but I didn't feel it was giving me the support I needed because there was no fight from them to say, we'll do this. We'll get you through this. They just accepted my fate that the doctors had given me and after a couple of days four or five days I just thought do you know what I'm not finished I've not danced my last dance I am whether I'm going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life or not I don't care I'm going to live I'm going to do something I'm going to get here because I am not finished I have not done everything I want to do I've got so much more I need to do in life now, and that wasn't thinking about anyone else. That was just purely selfish thoughts that I hadn't done this. And my youngest was so young. You know, she was only 13 at the time. And I was like, no, there's no way she's going to see me deteriorate very, very quickly over the next couple of years. And whether I get five years out of this or not, it would have been anybody's guess. I don't know. And I thought, do you know what? this has to change. So I'd tucked away that idea of falling asleep and never waking back up again. That would have been the easy answer. Of course. <laughs> but that really, you really would have, for me, in the position I was in, that would have been the easy answer. Not for everyone else, but for me. And I decided, do you know what? No, I'm not doing this. I'm not playing. I give in. I'm going to fight back. And there wasn't a lot I could do because there was no answers from the medical profession. There was no answers from family or friends. There was nothing. They actually looked at me 
with a lot of pity when I would say, I'm going to be fine. And they would say, but you're not, look at you. Look how bad you are. Look how ill, you're not seeing how ill you are. And I'm like, you don't get it. I am going to be fine. And they seriously could not understand where I was getting this, I will be fine from. But I decided that was it. I'll take one step, one step at a time. And if I could take that one step, which that took every ounce of my energy that I could have because it was too much. The pain was unbearable. To move myself from not being able to move was horrific and horrendous and the pain was just unbelievable. And the other thing that I did was I went from thinking negative thoughts, like if I was trying to hold something, I would just, my hand would just fall out or I couldn't hold it and I would get angry at myself because I couldn't do it. So then I would think, right, stop getting angry, laugh it off, think positive. And this is where all, I've always thought positive throughout my life, but I really had to push myself because I was in such a negative position that I had to push forward and become really, really positive and think everything has to be positive from now on. And that took about a year until I could move about with a bit more freedom in the house, which was, that was miraculous back then. That was absolutely brilliant. Really, all, because, really all because you made a choice that you would move one step at a time. Yes, we have a choice with everything, Melissa. Absolutely everything. People think I think black and white when it comes to choice. No, it's bigger than black and white. It's not just, yes, you have a, it's this or it's that, which seems black and white. But there's that middle ground that nobody wants to walk on that's a no man's land that is a difficult bit to get you from that choice to that choice and you have to walk that middle ground to get there right and that's what i did one step mm. at a time building the positivity building that up until last year came and that was one more thing before we move forward yeah. um you mentioned also that you, your family was not as they didn't see what you saw. They didn't feel what you felt. You, you, you were determined. It's like, no, I'm not giving in. I'm not throwing in the towel on me, right? How important is the surroundings that you are with? Because oh. it's so simple to get pulled in to that negative zone, right? So can you share with our listeners and tell them how important it is it it was for you and it is to to um i guess you could say like i always say this right like we have to put our blinders up and and to to ignore the noise right and then at the same time with our ears we we can hear it's okay but at the same time it goes in one ear out the other <laughs> so yeah please tell us Oh, goodness, yeah, we have a, again, it comes down to choice. Do you listen to that negativity or do you block it out? 
I decided to block it out. And how I managed to do that was I found positivity online. Although I couldn't do much, I could still listen to things. And I started listening mm -hmm. to positivity on master classes that lasted an hour that were recorded. Now, each one of them would take me over a week to actually try and penetrate some of the information and to be able to watch the whole hour. It would take me so long because I had very little lucid moments and it took a long time to take this in. But every time I could, I would listen and take in that positivity, which built my positivity back up. So I... I knew from previous where I could find these things because I've been a lifelong learner and I've always been into my positivity. So therefore, that wasn't a difficult find. I just went online, found certain places who did it. and Basically, I, that's what I spent every day doing. You know, and even to the detriment of spending time of my waking hours with family, I would say, I'm watching this, this is important. And I made that decision, I built my boundaries, became more, not selfish, but more self-loving, more self-worth. Because that was extremely important in building myself back up again, because I had none. I had no self-love, I just wanted to go away. Just put the cover over me and leave me be. I had no self-worth because it all went away. I lived with depression and anxiety because of the pain. And when you have a chronic illness like that, it just wears you right down. So well, thank you that's for, where that was. Thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Uh, now, that was your turning point. And now tell us about what you're doing currently. Oh, currently... I am building my business from nothing and it is my coaching that I used to do when I was teaching. You know, I, I, a driving instructor more or less teaches. Yes. But when, when I learned to become a driving instructor, I learned how to teach from, although I've always kind of taught throughout my life, but then... I found out very, very quickly that if I coached and asked questions a lot more, that taught people so much quicker. So doing the coaching was always part of my life. And when I was beginning, a year ago, I had a spiritual awakening. And it's called a Kundalini awakening. And basically what happened was I released the energy throughout my body and started energy healing. And so much so that within about three and a half weeks of doing this energy healing on myself, that I actually came off all my meds, every single one of them overnight. Wow. Yeah. And they were highly 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 um what's the word sorry it's just you're addicted to them oh. i've been on them for years and years and years you know and i tried to come off them previously failed miserably at coming off them previously but overnight i could come off these painkillers 
and that, that's including three different opioids. Wow. Yeah. So the Kundalini awakening really put a lot of healing into my body and just made a massive, massive difference. And since then, I've been healing my own body until um, I got out of the wheelchair last August, started going to the gym in October. By December, I was in the gym seven days a week for three hours a day. Obviously, that had to stop in March. Right, right, right. What a <laughs> blessing, though. What a Oh, it's amazing, amazing. So doing all that healing to myself, I thought I could offer this to other people. So I started offering it to my friends and I'm going, let me try this. Let's see if it works. Did that and they were like, oh my goodness, that energy is powerful. I was like, whoa, that's brilliant. Plus I learned that I've got quite a few gifts like my intuition, I'm an intuit and my empath skills are really, really strong. I've got a thing that called Gnosis. It's a bit like being clairvoyant, but it's more about just knowing things. Things that you shouldn't really know, but you just know. So that that's really intriguing. You know, there's a lot of clear skills that you have, like clear audience, things like that. And it's just, so all these skills, all these gifts that we've all got that we don't all tap into, but I've been able to tap into these. Use them with the energy and help people heal from a lot of pain and suffering that they're having. And then using the coaching in which I used previously, I thought I could bring that into the healing and do something with both of them. So with that and with working with a couple of friends and some family and some of their friends as well, I decided that I would start up the Divine mm. Shepherd so, and offer the transformational coaching and the intuitive healing to people. So it's... This is where my journey begins now for other people because basically I feel like I, this is my soul's mission. This is where I came from. This is why I, went, I mean, I am so grateful and blessed that everything that's happened to me in my life has happened because it's got me to where I am today so that I can fulfill my passion and helping other people. But I really feel now that this is where I can really help other people in their lives to transform into whatever they want to be. I have this massive superpower that I see people's potential where they don't see it. And I can help them do that if they want to do it. I can't help them if they don't want to do it. But if they feel they want to do it, I can. Wonderful. Miracle D, it is beautiful, beautiful what you're doing. It's a wonderful mission. And I totally agree with you that, you know, unfortunately, life happens. They, they say life happens to, to you, you, right? But I think it happens for us as well. You know, oh. and, and all these, all these um, chapters in the book, you know, it's, it's a growth pattern, right? And it brings us to where we are today. And it's a bet. It's a better us, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, Melissa, it is. I feel like I am the person I was born to be today. 
I really, really do. And that, again, I, I just, I have so many blessings in my life. It's unbelievable to just feel that every part of my life is the way it was meant to be and it is the way it is so that I'm here for other people now. And that is just, wow, it's amazing. It's only going to get better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, um, if you can share with our listeners where you can be reached. Yeah, absolutely. You can reach me. I have a website and it is thedivineshepherd.guru. And also I am on Facebook at dshepherd. And you, I've got a Facebook group, which you can be, you, it's a free group where you can come and get the inspiration, get the positivity every day it's there. Um, and that is The Divine Shepherd as well. Excellent. I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes for our listeners. Um, Thank you. And before we go, can you just leave us with one word that inspired you through your whole mm-hmm. turmoil? Oh, one word, one word. <laughs> That's really difficult. Well, I believe you are a courageous woman and that is why you're here today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I would say that one word would have to be motivation. Motivation. Well, thank you so much, Dee. It has been a pleasure having you today on, on our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, Melissa. Thank you so, so much for having me here today. It really has been a pleasure. Till next time. Till then. Thank you for listening to The Power Within. If you are a courageous woman and you would like to be a guest on my show, let's connect. Also, if you like what you heard, give it a rate and review. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any weekly episode.